This is Captivated Minds. I'm Stan. I'm Jake. And this is our Movie Mayhem episode. So on this episode, we're going to be continuing with our series of haunted locations. And we're going to be talking about a movie that we don't really talk about, haven't heard about a lot, Stir of Echoes. Which is a phenomenal film. Yes. It is so good. It is very good. The thing is, like, I don't know, so I I own this digitally. I do not. This is so old that it's cropped weird. Really? On my my big screen. No shit. Like, it doesn't do full screen. It's... Was it it's uh, cut on the sides and on the top? Is it four three to one or two eight three? Uh, yeah, I'll have to show you the difference in aspect ratios one day. Yeah, you'll have to. Okay, so you know how Justice League was released, right? That's four three. Four three. Yeah. Right. So four three so, is the old like crop so TV kind. It's like four three. Like Wandavision was four three. Yes. So it's four three with widescreen. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's like <laughs> it's so it's messed weird. up. Weird. We're also continuing this thing from 1999 movies. We've covered a I lot know. of... We've covered so many movies from almost, this year, like Boondock Saints, <laughs> South Park. I'm just saying, we've covered a lot of... This must have been, as we're going to talk about, this must have been a good year for movies. It's because... Listen, I wonder, I wonder if yeah. this is what it is. In 1999, we were 10. That's right. 9 right? or 10, yeah. This is when my interest in movies started to peak i started probably a year before is when my interest started to peak but this year in particular is a great movie year. so there's a lot of things there's so every movie i mean how many times have we we haven't even talked about like done this movie but how many times have we brought up the matrix we talked about we might have to do it at some point you know what i mean we might have to i I might even mention it again later (laughs) on. i think we did i think we will because it's just there's fight club too Fight Club is another one. See, there's so many. And the, the thing is, with all these 1999 movies, is they're all different. Yeah. None of them are the same. It's not like when Armageddon was released and then Deep Impact was released. Exactly. You know what I mean? There, every director or every screenplay or everything from this year is all different in its own way. Yeah. Like, it's very, that's unique. This is unique. Okay, wow, what's this? Out of left field, this is unique. So there's all these various movies, and that's what makes 1999 a really good year yes. for movies. We talk really about good. good years for movies, and we talk about bad years for movies. 99, from what we can attest to, it's is a good, a good year. It's good year. Yeah. It's so good. And like every movie we end up talking about from 1999, I own. I own a lot of them, too. Like, I don't own this one. I, and. You can give me some shit about that later. But I don't own this one. But I do own a lot of other movies from that year, though. So this movie, I I watched when it first came out. Yeah. Oh, we, we'll get into that later. We'll, we'll get into that. But my wife has never seen it. Really? And it wasn't until I purchased this. this I purchased this before we even like thought about covering yeah. it. We watched it. And she loved it. Yes. So it holds up really well, too. It does hold up it very well. It holds up really well. Because sometimes... When I show her movies that I watched when I was a kid, yeah, she's like, "This is so stupid. Like, so, why do you watch this?" So if I show people movies I watched when I was a kid, I fucking seem like an insane person. Texas well, Chainsaw Massacre, right. Evil Dead, Evil you know, Dead. that's where the thing, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Hellraiser, yep, right. Mm-hmm. Last like, House on the Left. Man, you're, are you okay? Like, if people want to say you need to see a therapist. <laughs> Probably, no, I'm sure. Oh, yeah? I'm sure. You that's were like, really like, messed up. Like, if you ever go on a date, whatever, that's the thing is you never bring a date to a horror movie because the movie you pick is the internal whatever thing of right. you as a person. So, 
Like you, you if you want to go on a date, you want to go on a date with like a children's movie or like a comedy or right. rom com or whatever. So you don't scare you, off the date. You have to like pick a movie that you probably would never see. That's right. And then go impress yeah, them with we're, that. We're gonna see this. Yeah, that's right. Oh, really? Cool. That's right. Deep down, it's like. Man, I really wanted to see that remake of Friday the 13th. That's, no, no, really. That's <laughs> what it is. Yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, the opening scene. As we see the opening title cards begin, we hear a little kid's voice singing or humming in the background. And we aren't really sure what it is, go- what's going on just yet. The first uh, image we see is a house with a single light on. And we know as an audience that this house has some meaning. We're just not sure the meaning just yet. We see a little kid in a bath looking directly into the camera and for a second talking about his playtime earlier with someone who is strumming a guitar in the background. We can, see the, we can clearly see that the child is talking to someone, but we aren't sure who they're talking to. His father pulls him out of the tub and he can ask the question. Uh, the, little, uh, the little back and forth between the father and son is kind of nice, and it also demonstrates the theme of the movie as we go forward when we talk about this movie. Once the father leaves, the child asks the question one more time, uh, it does, does it hurt to be dead to an empty room? At first, we kind of think the child is talking to us, but then we cut and we see that the child in the wide shot is talking to the very empty room, and that's what's very creepy. So in this opening scene, we have the father and son dynamic. We have a child who has maybe a problem going on or some sort of issue, and we also have a haunted location. So they have all these elements that this movie is kind of setting up. They really set the creepy factor up instantly. That's right. Like it's an instant, oh my God. What's going on? What is going on? This kid is talking to no one. That's right. Or is he? We don't, we, we don't know. You don't know. For a question, I thought he was looking at the audience because he's looking directly into the right. lens of the camera. Yeah. And in most movies, that's kind of frowned upon unless yeah. you're breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. So, I mean, when the kid's looking into your soul and then ask it, asking you, does it, it hurt to, to be, be dead? dead? Yeah. That's a little screwed up. So here's our disclaimer. All of the information we use sometimes is directly from IMDb. It's a great resource to help us find uh, all kinds of information. Oh, they have great information. So here's our fun fact se- uh, section. In the hypnosium flashback scene, there's a scene of a safety pin being stuck through Tom's hand. Uh, This was not a special effect. A stuntman was actually paid to have the safety pin pushed through his hand. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Yeah. And uh, it it freaks me out that he actually did that because he – like you – when you see it going into his hand and then you read this – it's really like creepy. your hand hurts That's right. for him. Yeah. In the scene where Tom gets angry after digging in the backyard and kicks the bucket towards the wall, it was not supposed to hit and break the window. This was a happy accident, but they used it in film. As Kevin Bacon was staying in character and continued the scene. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I like, mo- beautiful. I like moments like that because it really showcases, hey, we're staying in this scene even if something goes a little south. Adds that realism. That's right. The hypnotist sequence in which uh, Tom is hypnotized for the first time follows actual hypnosis techniques used by professional hypnotists in order to ensure that the audience hasn't been put to sleep and some some susceptible people have been. There's a musical ascent at the close of the sequence to wake everyone up. Oh, that's messed up. Yeah. 
Wow. I didn't know that either. So, I wonder how they found that out. Could you imagine, like... I oh, probably did it. I'm sure they did their research on hypnotism. Yeah, but could you imagine... Let, let's say let's say you're showing this film to a test audience. And, and you didn't do it. You didn't put, like, the music in or whatever. Oh, my God. And then Can all of a sudden, imagine? like, the entire, like, test audience is... Under hypnosis, could you imagine? They'd all have good uh, reviews, and, right? A good review, and then all of a sudden, this is it's a like great movie. Everyone's going, um, so we're gonna have to change things up a bit, <laughs> or we're gonna have a problem. That's right. <laughs> They're gonna have a lot of lawsuits. <laughs> That's really weird. So here's another interesting fact: on the couch, the babysitter reads *The Shrinking Man* uh, uh, by Richard Matheson, the author of *The Stir of Echoes*, which is the basis of the film, which we talked about at some point. When they were setting up the uh, the scene where Maggie leaves Jake at her relative's house, it was realized that they had gone over the number of hours the child actor had played due to strict Hollywood laws. Crew members had to run from house to house in the neighborhood they were filming to find a child who looked enough like him to appear in the background. Uh, after their parents' approval, they gave the kid a haircut and had to continue the shot. That's Oh my god, that's cool. That is kind of cool, but screwed up though. It is screwed up. Child labor laws are very strict. The younger yeah. you are, you can only work. Even babies can only work maybe thirty minutes. Yeah, that's on camera. So you only can have a baby for thirty that day. Yeah, and so and, the, as you get older, and if let's say during that time, if the baby is too fussy, you you, that's you end up losing that day. That's right. Some filming. in some movies they use fake babies at some point. Too. So they did that in um, American, American, American Sniper. Sniper, and Bradley Cooper's like, "Hey, look, I'm gonna sa- I'm gonna save you a couple thousand dollars." And he took his hand and he moved the baby's hand. Yeah. But yet, even though when it was released, everyone's like, "You're holding a doll." Yeah, but, but that's because Clint Eastwood didn't want to deal with real no. the real baby. Well, there was one on set, but they not could mu- not get it to calm yeah. down and Clint Eastwood's an old man. He doesn't want to deal Do with that crap. No. During the uh scene in which Siski's backyard where Tom is digging, uh Kevin Bacon was in a lot of pain as he pulled a muscle in his neck. Several prop lightweight picks were tested for the scene to ease his suffering, but in the end it was opted to use a real heavier pick, and as the swings impacted, looked real enough on screen. So he was really in pain when he was like using the pick and shit. Wow. He's a good, just shows how good He's of an a, actor, actor guy's he is. a legend. Yeah. The scene where Maggie is sitting in the car in the rain was shot on a night when it was actually raining very heavily, but the rain did not look real on film. The crew had to set up uh, an awning to cover the car from the rain and then rig up a rain machine. Come on, guys. So the real rain didn't look real, so they had to use fake rain to make it look real. That's right. That's really messed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. So yep. That's Mother, just... Mother Nature helps you out. A little bit. By saving you money. Oh, no, no, not enough. But now it's We gotta like, spend some more. Now it's like, oh, man, Mother Nature screwed us over, so now we have to spend money? That's right. <laughs> A lot of people on blogs had wondered uh, the creep walk was filmed. Here's the secret. The speed of the camera was sped up, and the actress was told to walk slowly but to appear as naturally as possible. Then it was t- when it was time to edit the scene, they played the footage at normal speed, and all the imperfections in her walk add to the, the beauty of how the creepiness looks. That's kind of like what they did with uh, the end scene of Carrie. You know what they did yes. there? So yeah, they yeah. recorded it backwards. Yeah, and then filmed it forwards, and that's what made it kind of. It's kind of the same sort of thing. 
but they that's did also here. how they did um, a lot of things. Like, uh, like if they wanted to show someone running really fast, they just filmed up the the speed up the film. Uh, car chases in most films are act they're actually they driving normal speed, speed yeah, but yeah. they make them look like they're driving yep. fast. Uh, Catherine Irby's tattoo on her back reads T and M, standing for her husband Terry and daughter Maeve, and features a heart around the letters. This inspired the exact same tattoo placed on Kevin Space Bacon's forearm, which stands for uh, the two actors Tom and Maggie. So that's kind of neat. That's neat. Yeah, the hypnotist played by Elena Douglas is called Lisa Wheel. The babysitter babysitter is played by an actress named Lisa Wheel. So that's a kind of <laughs> that's kind of neat. Yeah, that's uh, neat. Jake, the little kid, watches the mummy shroud on television when his mother tells him to turn it off. Then it turns to Night of the Living Dead. Appears on every channel as he's changing it. Uh, the Writers Guild of of America denied Andrew Walker a screenplay credit for his script. Crip doctoring his work, so he receives a special thanks to in the credit. So there's a couple of different. So the movie one is it changes horror movies, and then there's uh, something about the script. In an earlier version of the script, there were some important differences. Uh, Maggie's sister hypnotizes. Uh, was actually uh, Maggie's sister was actually a brother. Ca- called Philip. Yep. <laughs> to find out what was wrong with him, Tom had an MRI. Um, yep. So that's a weird one. Instead of accusing uh, the witch skis of having something to do with her sister's appearance, the young babysitter was worried they were abusing their son. So there's a couple of little differences. Uh, at the end of the movie, Maggie gives birth to a girl with a psychiatric... See, I mean, I don't agree with that one. No. But, but there's kind of these little fun facts and added scenes that w- of what could have been. So almost... Uh, all right, so if you think about it, if they were to end the movie with her giving birth to a baby... Yeah, with psychic abilities, it, it's almost like they were trying to maybe a sequel. Yeah, do a franchise yeah. with it yeah. or whatever, but you wouldn't need to. Uh, Kevin Bacon plucks around on the guitar, but in real life, he's actually a skilled guitarist along with his brother. The Bacon brothers have released a half a dozen albums, which is kind of funny. They're good, really. Yeah, I've actually listened to a couple of their songs. They're not bad. Not bad. No. Hmm. Uh, contrary to popular belief uh, in the accepted myth, hypnosis is not like a portrayed as on TV. A no hypnotist can make you bark like a dog or cluck like a chicken if you don't want to. It's more of a very relaxed state in which a skilled hypnotist can uh, recess your mind and help you recall details or memories that have otherwise been forgotten. Anytime you see one on TV where someone says a keyword, someone else clucks like a chicken, it's absolutely fake and false. So that's kind of a... Yeah. A neat little thing. The children, the children's TV program where Samantha appears on TV uh, while Jake is watching it on the bed. It's called Lidsville and which aired on ABC from 70. So it was a real TV show from 71 to 73. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, Tom's electric guitar is visible, um, but he plays a regular guitar. So that's another little fun fact. Uh Kevin Bacon, Elena Douglas, and Kevin Dunn were also in Jennifer Aniston's movie uh, Pitch Picture Perfect together. So huh. more, more people, yeah. Right. Uh, you may see similarities between The Shining. So, in fact, it's the opposite. Stir of Echoes was written by Richard Matheson in 1958. 
and Stephen King wrote The Shining later on. So he he may have took some things. That's right. From some Richard stuff and things. From Richard Matheson. So here are the actors. We've got uh, Zachary Cope as Jake, Kevin Bacon as Tom, Catherine Earby as Maggie, Elena Douglas as Lisa, uh, Ke- Kevin Dunn as Frank, um, and then we have Jennifer Morrison as uh, Samantha, the ghost. Yeah. yeah. So those are all the main characters in this movie. So here's the budget. $12 million. Not a lot. Not a lot. Especially it, with, I mean, if you think about there's it. There's not that many special effects. There's not many special effects, but it's Kevin Bacon. That's right. But so I'm, I mean, wondering, I'm wondering where the where a lot of this money would have gone. I maybe. understand it's his early years, but I mean, he well, was. Well, no, this is 99. It's so 99, he's, so, so he's, he's done a lot, of stuff. a lot of stuff. He's already done Tremors at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this movie only makes $1,500. Which is messed up. This is opening weekend. Yeah. Gross total, it made 21 So it made some – it covered its costs, basically. And then worldwide, it made 21 So it covered its costs, but that was it, really. It didn't make a lot of money. And $5,800, like I was telling you, that is nothing. That's maybe two cinemas. Right. Or three cinemas in 99 That's really not, not nothing. Not a lot. So where was it filmed? It was filmed in Chicago in a Juliet and Oakwood Cemetery. So it was all in Chicago. So maybe that had something to do with the budget or where some of the money went to kind of keep these real-life locations. So we're also talking about 1999. <laughs> so here are some other movies from 1999 that we may have talked about or may not have talked about. The Green Mile. Phenomenal. Deep Blue Sea. Again. Bone Collector. See, Fight Club, Bone Collector is one of my favorites. I just bought it on DVD again. It's yeah. it's so good. Yeah, Fight Club again. You know, I would say Green Mile and Fight Club out of this list, classic movies. They're so classic. So if you're at the cinema in '99, and you've got to choose between Stir of Echoes or Deep Blue Sea, what are you gonna see? Probably Stir of Echoes. I like Deep Blue Sea though. I know. I really do like Deep Blue Sea. But I would go. St- I might have gone but Stir of Echoes. I might go Stir of Echoes. So now, but if it was like Stir of Echoes and the Bone Collector, I think I would have seen the Bone Collector. Stir of Echoes or Fight Club? Oh, see, that's a toss up. I guess it would be on how, like, what, what you're feeling that day. What I'm feeling yeah. that day, because yeah. both of those to me would be like an equal. That's right. Thing. Fight Club is great. Yeah. Okay, so Green Mile or Stir of Echoes? Oh, Green Mile. Green good. Mile. I would have to be Green Mile. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. It'd yeah. have to be. Yeah. So here's the director's name, David Kemp, and here's some other movies. He hasn't done that many movies. We'll start. I'm gonna start at the bottom and just work my way up. Uh, Suspicious, The Trigger Effect, Stir of Echoes. He did a TV movie called Suspense. He also did the movie Secret Window. The one Johnny Depp. That's right. Mm. See, I like that one. I like that one too. I used to have that poster in my uh, room for a long time. All Falls Down. It's a short. Ghost Town. Uh, Premium Rush, Mordecai, and then last year, You Should Have Left. So when was the first time you saw um, Stir of Echoes? I saw it the f- uh, when it came out on DVD. Yeah, yeah, me, me, so, me too. I'm, or so on, if you on think cable. Of, so if you think about it, depending on when in 99 it came out, it could have still come out on DVD Or in VHS. 99. Right, VHS. Because that was that, yeah, that, that time, was that time. So I want to say it, it was as soon as it came out on video. Is when I saw it. 
I might have seen it on cable a couple of years later on Sci-Fi when they didn't heavily edit movies at that point because you yeah. could still watch. I remember they had the Child's Play Marathon on Sci-Fi or something like well, that. Well, it and, was one of those like on Sci-Fi when it reached a certain time, it was like adult adults. time. That's right. So you could watch. And like, you could watch like Hellraiser. That's right. That's where I probably saw it for the first and time. And nothing was edited. It was it was you were watching Hellraiser. I think that's it. At ninety nine is when they were kind of pushing the boundaries yeah. of TV a little bit, trying to push what they could put on TV too. So here are our top ten scenes. Number ten. What makes this uh, major scene kind of interesting would be the fact that all these sort of adults walk out of the house to go to this party and leave the kid home alone. It is a very nice touch that the father brings the baby monitor with him when they leave. They walk down the street and they're all at this friend's house shooting the shit. Um, the father is the only is only across the street, so he isn't too far, and he is consistently looking at the house at, and at the baby monitor. This show that he cares for his family, and he also cares for his son. He is also a bit distant from people within the party, so that shows that he is a bit isolated from all those around him. The sister-in-law is bringing in some ideas, and our main guy Tom does not believe in this kind of hypnosis or this kind of uh, shit. She's like kind of like. I think down. he also doesn't he kind of like call it like witchcraft or yeah, like, voodoo, like, or, voodoo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he pretty believe. much he pretty much thinks like his sister-in-law is just like this whack job type of That's thing. That's right. He and, asks to go under in the scene. Yeah, because because her whole thing is. She's like, I can put anyone. And he's like, just put me on. And her. he's like, really? Try me. Yeah. And at first, he thinks he's kind of drunk, but he's not. He's really serious. Right. Scene so number nine. They both leave the party, and now he's having a hard time sleeping, and he's fully restless. He tries to sleep and remembers bits and pieces of being fully under. It is a bit strange, but now we see he had seen a little bit, and it does fill the inner blanks in his mind. His wife wakes him up for some light. Late night action, but at the same time, he is dreaming or remembering things from the vision, and he's like he's drifting back and forth from the real world and what he'd seen earlier, and it's a bit creepy. He's having horrible visions of something. He is clearly freaking out or having something happen to him. We aren't sure what it is just yet. He goes downstairs to relax and sees someone sitting on the couch beside him, and that's like a jump. It's like a jump scare, really. He isn't sure what he's seeing or who he's seeing. His son comes down and tells him not to be afraid of what he's seeing. Okay, so funny story. All right. When I first saw this, okay, the one that plays his wife. Yep. She's in Mighty Ducks, too. I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. I grew up watching Mighty Ducks. So when you see her in Mighty Ducks, too, and then you see her topless in this scene... I don't know what to think. Like I was, I didn't know what to think. Even yeah. now. Yeah. Like when I rewatched the movie. Yeah. Funny thing was, I just got finished watching Mighty, Mighty Ducks, Ducks 2. 2. And then you see her again. And then I'm like watching the movie and I'm like, again? <laughs> really? Her? Yeah. She's a phenomenal actress. She's a good actress. Yeah. But it's just weird. You see her in this one movie where she's like this teacher and, and now all of a sudden you see her in this. But and she but, has, and she has this, like, freaky side. Yeah, well, you know what the I mean? thing is, <laughs> I noticed every time, and this is maybe a couple of movies, but every time the wife tried to initiate something, 
the, something's always happening to the husband. To the husband. Yeah, in the middle. He's, he has to like stop right in the middle. Yeah. Like, really? Come on, like the, let the guy have his fun. Because there's another movie we're going to cover that that happens in that movie that's too. Right, that's right, and that's the thing. You're absolutely right. When it when it involves the husband trying to get some, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. No. Ah, poor guys. Yeah. <laughs> Scene number eight: the parents bring in the babysitter to watch Jake, their son. Tom, the father's having some sort of uh, red and black uh, flash of light uh, every time he's seeing the babysitter, and it's an he was. Uh, we see as an audience. Like, we're on the same page as Tom, and we don't know what or why he's seeing this. We're not sure what he's seeing either. He's having headaches now and still seeing those flashes of black and red, which I thought was kind of neat. Now, every time he sees red, he hears something. Back at the house, we see the babysitter starting to look at the monitor for a second. And we clearly cut back and forth to the mother and father, Tom and Maggie, going out. The cuts back and forth between... These two different scenes add tension. Jake is talking to someone, but only the monitor can pick it up. And it's only picking up his side. It's not picking up the other conversation. The fact, the fast cuts back and forth between Jake and Tom building towards something and then having them kind of connect. Jake, the little boy, tells the babysitter that Samantha is saying, it's always dark where she is. Tom can clearly feel something is going on, and as he escapes this line, he begins to rush home. I like the I, combination of both those scenes and how they were connected. I also like that you are just as confused as Tom is. That's right. Because you know that something important is going on. But you don't know. But you don't know exactly what. And I do like how, because the little boy is talking and doing things... Even though Tom is like across town, he's being infected. He's infected with whatever is going on. Or he's feeling yeah, something. He's feeling what's going on at the house. That's right. Tom runs home as fast as he can. This is still scene eight. Uh, Tom rushes home, but they're all gone. Tom rushes into a traffic and he sees a cab go after his. Uh, and he goes after the side son. The red signs are now helping him in a way the babysitter is the youngest sister of samantha and now things are all starting to make sense the son doesn't want to talk about this incident anymore yeah because at this point you know the babysitter thinks something is going on with this family so she like tries to kidnap the son but we find and out you, it's not kidnapping though. it's not a kidnapping she's trying she thinks something is going on. is going on and she's trying to get help Scene number seven, after everything that has happened to Tom, uh, is he's beginning to lose a little bit of himself. He's trying to figure things out. He's trying to find the little, uh, this thing in the house, but he can't. We cut to what appears to be a party going on within the neighborhood. The sister-in-law and the sister uh, Maggie are talking about Tom. We cut to Tom asking neighbors about samantha the other locals don't really mention anything they kind of brush him off a little bit which we can see why later on but at this point we're not sure why the sisters are talking and the sister-in-law is being a bitch but understanding about it a little bit um i like that dynamic they have what she has with the family one of tom's friends won't shut up about his son and this is the second time we've seen this particular friend talk about his son in such a i don't know pedestal like way yeah. like hey my son's the best so we're getting this kind of motif of hey you know all of these parents really want their sons to be the you know the top star the top guy um and just like that a fight breaks out and tom never gets the answers that he wants about this local girl 
Tom wakes up and sees Frank in his house, and it all seems a bit weird. Tom is clearly having nightmares at this point. I do, I do like the how the sister-in-law and Tom, they their dynamic, they like a back and like, forth, love each other and hate each other at the, at the same, same time. time. But with both of it works perfectly. It does work perfectly. Because it's like, man, you're an asshole. You're an asshole. You're a bitch. I love you. I yeah. love you too. You know what I mean? It's like this, like... I'm not saying that Tom and the Maggie characters don't have good chemistry. No. They have a different type of chemistry. Yes. And this is more like, when you have a movie, you have that best friend sort of chemistry. She's like the that's, best friend to the family. To the family. Yeah. Not just to Tom or Maggie, but right. to the family. And that makes it a little and bit usually, better. Usually, like sister-in-law, brother-in-law type of things. They're not always... No. But this... This, to me, I kind of like their relationship. Yeah, it's really that's nice. that's right. I liked it, too. Scene number six, Tom is uh, clearly reliving a couple of key moments, and he rushes over to the house and finds one of his friends had shot himself. We now see the aftermath, and now we see uh, the wife and son go for a walk. Basically, Maggie and Jake go for a walk. Everything Tom has seen so far has been real. Jake finds uh, bagpipes playing, or he hears bagpipes playing at a local cemetery, and he rushes to it because he's he's walking into basically a funeral. He's clearly at a cop's funeral. The mother tries to steer him away, but he's there for a reason. A police officer nearby follows them, and we think they're going to be like, hey, you shouldn't be here, but it's the exact opposite. The police officer mentions that his kid, the kid Jake, has some sort of sight. Without hesitation, Jake the kid knows the officer's name. And I thought that was a nice little right thing to it. Nice little scene. It's a nice little... Because it was a Jake scene, and we haven't had a lot of those. We've had a lot of Maggie scenes, and we've had a lot of Tom scenes. But we haven't had a lot of explaining Jake's connection to this ability. But doesn't that scene remind you of... The Shining. It does very much. When the boy meets the caretaker. The caretaker. Yep. And does. they go for ice cream. That's right. You know what I mean? That right there. Like. But it's slightly different in its own way. Though. In its, its own, own way, way. Right. That's right. Scene number five Maggie goes to Neil, the police officer, to figure out what is wrong with Tom. Neil is explaining to Maggie that some people get it, get this thing for a few moments while others can have it their whole life. Jake, the son, is clearly talking to Samantha. Jake clearly likes monster movies, and Samantha makes her presence known in the bathroom, but Maggie can't see her. Uh, Samantha freezes the bathtub. Samantha also changes the TV on Jake. So we can see things are slowly starting to escalate just a little bit, not enough to make it bad, but just enough to make it creepy. Maggie goes down to the basement uh, to light the pilot, and Samantha is making her presence known throughout the house. And now, now you can tell, like, it's almost like Samantha is feeling bad that the mom can't, can't help her see anything. And the father doesn't know what's going on. Right. The father's having this. Almost like a mental break. Like a mental break. The, the son, son knows what's going on, but, but he, he doesn't, doesn't want to talk, talk about, about it. it. That's right. So Maggie, Ma you could tell also because of this whole thing, Maggie's now starting to mentally break. That's right. Because the son doesn't want to talk. She thinks her husband's going nuts. So what other movie does this remind you of? Shining. No, Amityville too. Well, yeah, Amityville. Yes. See, Amityville. See? So like all three of these movies, they're all Amityville, The Shining, the Shining and this. Start 
they're all they're different. All have this little connection, but they're all vastly different movies right. too, though. It's just neat to see how one director can go one way with it, another one can go a different way, and another one can go a completely different way. But it's all the same sort of thing. But it's also cool that you can see the frustration from the ghost. That's you right. know what I mean? Yes. Like, the all the ghost want, all Samantha wants is to be found. Or, yes, to, we'll talk or, about that. Yeah. Right. Or the other thing. Yes. That's all she wants. But she's getting frustrated because, like... She's no trying to she's no trying listening. to rely on a little boy, but the little boy is afraid that his parents aren't gonna believe him. Believe him. Scene number four. Tom has a strong vision of being in the house and seeing Samantha inside, but it's cold and coming, and she's coming towards him. She's reaching out towards him, and Tom uh, wasn't breathing, so he could clearly see her in the house. Tom goes to the sister-in-law to have her get him to stop whatever is going on with him. He wants it all to stop right away and to get hypnotized again. We cut back to the theater, this mental sort of theater that the sister-in-law has kind of projected for him in his mind. And this time, he's not alone. He gets a clear vision, and it says to dig instead of sleep. <laughs> and it's – there's no other information. That's right. We'll talk about See, it in a little bit because I have some questions. About, right, because yeah. that's what's really screwed up. It just says dig. It doesn't say what. Doesn't say yeah, where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. See, number three, Maggie comes home to see a full extent of Tom going crazy with Jake. Tom and Jake have been digging in the backyard for what would appear hours. Maggie scares Tom, and Samantha is has a message for them. Tom seems like he has lost his marbles fully. Tom just goes over the top and argues with Maggie. Uh, Tom is shell of a person at this point. My favorite part of this scene right here is she comes home and she sees them in the backyard and Tom's sitting there with the hose and she's like, what are you doing? He goes, the water helps break up the dirt. And you right there, you can just see her go, that's not what I mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? She doesn't even have to say it. But you, the back and forth banter though is <laughs> nice though. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. The, it's just easier to dig when you, when yep. you break up to, with the water. Scene number two, Tom and Maggie clearly – are on the rocks at this point. Tom is trying to make amends for fighting, but she's she just not, she's not putting up with it. Tom knows things before they are happening now. And, uh, the facts was about Maggie's grand grandma. As Tom keeps his mouth shut, they get a phone call. Tom walks out of the room and Maggie gets the call, but Tom won't say it. Maggie knows that Tom knew. So there's this kind of little back and forth. But they, they begin to fighting again as Maggie and Jake drive off and Tom is left in the, whole, in the house basically digging. This showcases that Tom is willing to lose everything. Scene number one, Tom is all alone now and he has gotten to the basement and he is trying to fix the water line in the basement and he gets an idea. He was digging, but he was digging in the wrong spot. Now he sets his sights in the basement begins to hammer away the concrete in the basement and he isn't sure why. He goes to the hardware store, gets a giant drill and an air tank, and he's clearly now doing some extreme digging in the house. Now he's catching attention from all the neighbors around who think he's crazy. Maggie and Tom try to get along a little more, and he's tearing up the floor. Out of all the scenes we talked about, which one did you like? Honestly, it's it's the number one scene when, uh, yeah. when he like goes, like you see him almost finally his last mental snap, and he just starts 
going through the floors. Like he goes through the dining room floor so he can run all of his cables and through stuff the basement. through the yeah. basement. And now he's like drilling up everything. And all you hear is you hear like they pan out to the outside of the house. And that's all you hear is like a jackhammer. That's right. And everyone's sitting there going, what the hell? I like scene number one, too. And I, I like the another scene, too, the ending scene, too. And we'll get to that. But yes. I, I like yeah, this yeah. scene number one, too. Yeah. So uh, we're in agreement. Yeah. So here are some questions I had while watching it. Is the kid, before we know anything, is the kid directly talking to us, the audience, or someone else? Right. So we don't we I don't mean, know that. You don't know that right uh, until you I mean, watch. You could be thinking that he's talking to the audience because yeah. he's looking directly into the camera. Why can't the Tom hear him when he's asking the question? He's in the r- next room. Is it because he's it's, strumming the guitar? I, I. So I'm thinking because he's strumming the guitar is almost like in his own little world he knows like he has that fatherly sense that his son's okay in the bath but he's probably just not hearing, hearing him. him yeah how does the sister-in-law know uh the sister knows that she's pregnant yeah see she's just that's a little weird too because she's a witch <laughs> i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there a part of the conversation we miss or as an audience we pick up right where we needed to be because it seems like that conversation was going on for a little while longer before it he does. came downstairs, right? Yes. It it seems like, like there, there was, was more a... going on. Yeah. Yeah. What type of grown man still plays in a band, has a full-time job, and family? It seems like there's a little too much going on. Right. It does. It, it does. But oddly enough. I know it happens a lot. I actually know quite a few people. Yeah. That have a band, yeah, and have a full time job. To me, it's it's a lot. It's a, I'm just saying for him, it just right. seems like a lot. To, for going him, on. it just seems like there's too much, maybe too going, much going, going on. on. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Um, does he seem justified to be a kind of a dick to the sister in law? Again, I think that's just their dynamic because she just seems like she's a total bitch to him. So he kind of gives it back to her. Yeah, but like. As, as the movie goes, their relationship is gets a back stronger. and forth. Yes, because yeah. you can see near the end, they have this new bond. That's right. So I think it's one of those like they hated each other, but they needed to hate each other in order to grow close to each other. How does the guy's wife? Uh, so this is the question: the guy and the girl that are at the party. How does the guy's wife not clearly smack him when he's like? I goggling the girl, the young girl. Right. Yeah. Like really, she gives him like really, really face. Um, is what Tom's seeing a dream, or is he seeing something else, or is it past events? That was my another kicker it's I had while I was watching it. Almost like he was having just Both. premonitions. Yeah. Type of thing. Like he was reliving. Uh, yeah, I would say premonitions. The tooth and the blood, uh, we don't know at this point where they're coming from, but it's freaking him out. Oh, so, yeah. so he's like, like you said, maybe he's reliving her events to try to get him into that mindset. Yeah. How open do you think his mind is to things now? Do you think it, he's just like his son or do you think he's his own kind of receptor to these paranormal things? So where where I was – where I kind of went with this, 
I was thinking he was there's two ways I was thinking that he was starting to turn into the sun but because he was older it's not as powerful type of deal because younger children are more susceptible, uh, susceptible to yeah. it but the other thing I was leaning on was like this was a one time deal almost because of the hypnosis and this girl Samantha really was pushing hard to be noticed. I think this is to me. It almost seemed like this was a one-time thing. Now that they, f- well, we'll get to the end. But yeah, once the end happens, I was thinking he was done. That's right. Um, how is this kid so damn calm when talking to Samantha? <clears throat> Kids always seem so, to be calm when they're talking to other. I'm presences. almost wondering if this wasn't the first time he's talk to someone so that's why he makes seems sense. comfortable yeah makes sense who the hell uh bloats about their kid being a football star so much like it's happened three or four times at this yeah, point from various adults so there like, are those weird weird but parents, we we though. get it though that's the yeah. thing so they don't have to i mean we'll get to the ending but they're really hammering it down yeah. a it, little too much it's almost like my son cannot do wrong because he's that's right, yeah. It's almost like he's all-American. Yeah. He can't do yeah. wrong. Um, how strong is Jake the little boy with this gift? He seems wicked strong. Like, he's he seems like he could do a lot with it. Right. Because Samantha is... Just Sam- a presence. Samantha's in the room with him. Yes. Samantha's there. Yes, or in the house, right. not just the room. Yeah. So his, it seems like his, his gift is... Wicked. Now, as a ghost, how is she able to turn on a TV and keep it on Night of the Living Dead without it being plugged on? Well, plugged in. Sorry, you got to watch the movie Ghost. Yeah, Patrick Swayze would tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to use the force. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um, what or where is he supposed to dig? It just says dig. And it that just was says dig. dig. And so, to me, that was it's too vague. That was a thing. It's like, okay, you say dig, but then. If you think about it, okay, everything is happening in his house, right? As a as a person, if someone says to dig and you know everything's happening in your house, you're going to go outside and dig. To me, that's what I would do. First logical thing, right? And I kind of like how his mind finally clicked on, okay, it's happening in the house, so it must be in, in the, the house. house. Yes. How popular were faxes at this time when they just could have called? And then they do call. So what was the point of sending the fax? I don't know. It's kind of dumb. Now, I have a question. Yep. All right. How many goddamn parties does this neighborhood Yeah, I almost brought that one up, too. You know what I mean? There's a lot lot of parties that go on. It's almost like every time you – every time there's a scene – There's almost a party. It's like there's a party next door. There's There's a party party over here. There's a party over there. Like, come and the houses are like your neighborhood here. They're all close together right. too. So I mean, that's so a lot it's of like, parties. Okay, Billy's tomorrow and Stacy's. Uh, that's the right. Next day. Yeah, and uh, I think Jim's gonna have one by the weekend. That's right. So uh, is it on basic cable? Is it worth a watch with commercials? I would say yes because there's not anything too. Uh, ooh. <sighs> okay, so there's one scene about I this. think about. How about this? There's one. I, I just thought about it too. I guess it depends on what time of day it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I, I can agree with you. you know but what there's I mean? one scene that's really rough. It's really rough. So it would have to be let's okay, let's say it's nine o'clock on cable. 
That's that's one thing. I get that. I would be okay with yes. because they would the, it wouldn't be heavily edited. Now, if it's like there, there also might be a TV cut of the movie where right. it's not edited as much, but they have alternative takes yes, of that scene exactly. where, for TV. But that one scene which we didn't talk about because it's a yeah, it's doozy. it's a doozy. But now, if it's on at noon and it's heavily edited, no, I'm not gonna no. watch it. So that's where since we've been doing these, that's kind of where my mindset's been on. If it's on cable, it has to deal with the editing. That's right. Because certain movies do not transfer well to no, TV. No, they do not. Because once they transfer to TV, and all of a sudden they have to edit, and most of the time it's either something that explains stuff, or maybe it's a really good part, then it's like... Or they, what they do is they cut right at the point where it's commercial, and then you have to figure out where right. you were again, which is kind of stupid too. So I would say if it's like past prime time, so prime time's usually between like eight and nine. Uh, yeah, I would say yes. Yeah, if it's on basic table, yeah, yes, I, I I'm agree with watch. you. Now, because I've seen the movie the most, if it is on noon, I'll probably be, watch it. But it's not going to be as. It's good. not going to be as good. Yeah. Um, what streaming service do you think it would go to? <sighs> I would say Netflix. Netflix would be a thing. Or Amazon. Amazon. Would I actually also be a thing. I looked on I, Amazon. I, I didn't find it on any I, any streaming service so far. I don't think it would be on HBO. No, I don't, I don't think, think it would be, be an HBO, HBO thing. But it would be on probably Amazon or Netflix. Yeah. yeah, you're right. What was your favorite part? I honestly the feel of the movie. Yeah, this movie felt good. I didn't. There was nothing too outrageous that was wrong with this movie. No. Like no, there's, right. there were certain parts where it's like, like maybe they didn't need, or they could have cut that, could have cut that, made that faster, made that right. longer. You know, we've talked but about that in other movies. I too. loved how this was filmed. I loved how most of it was kind of like darkish. It had that gritty kind of feel it, to it. Because if you think about it, the entire time there's not a lot of light. No, it's mostly like a night thing. The only time it's really during the day is when he's digging in the backyard. There's a couple of There's a couple, days, right? Yeah. But most of the time, it's like you're stuck in the house most of the time. And I like that, how you're making the audience feel almost claustrophobic with Tom. That's right. Right? So you kind of have this feel for him. Like he's stuck in this house and he needs to figure out what is going on. My favorite part was the, the chemistry, the family dynamic. Yes. They have some good chemistry. Sometimes you see a family on screen and they don't really work or something's off. Maybe it's the mother character. Maybe it's the father character. But watching Kevin Bacon and this family, it does seem like it's a very, they have good chemistry. So there's something, you know, yeah. good going on there. And that ke- that chemistry makes the movie believable as well, too. Oh, yeah. What was something you didn't like? Like I said, there's just certain parts that, you know, maybe they could shorten up or maybe they could have explained more. Um like to all of a sudden just throw out there that the babysitter is the sister. I get that. Like you know what I, I mean? get that. There all, should have been more of a all connection. Of a, all of a sudden they call this random girl That the son suggests. That the son suggests. Like right. how do you, how does the son know? That's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I understand that the ghost is talking to him and stuff, but if my kid says, hey, can so-and-so watch me, and I don't have a clue who this person is... That's a little weird. I'm not going to pick that person. No. I'm going to pick someone who I know and trust. That's right. So, I mean, there's certain things like that 
they could have changed, but other than that, the movie doesn't really have anything. That... I would say the the rough scene, which I think that was a little too long. It happened right. just a little too. Make it a little, little more sh- shorter. I know, we... I know it's a rough scene, and I know why it's a rough scene yes. and why it's doing what it's doing. But it doesn't need to be as long. It's one. Of That's the... the one thing I didn't like. You can, you it's can. It's one of those where you really, you really don't want to watch it. But you, you are un- though. You understand why, why they're doing it. Why you're doing it. But the reasoning why it it could have been cut in a fast. You could have cut a little bit faster and shown less and still gotten the message. Like, not seeing the yeah. shark in Jaws, but still knowing what the shark does. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You could have cut it in a way. It just felt a little too rough. Because those boys are the shark. That's right. That's yeah. exactly what it that is. That is. Yeah. yeah. You could have cut it. That's the only. That's my only thing I didn't yeah. like about it. Other right. than that, as a whole, it is a good movie. It, is it was great, just that one little, little thing. Would you pay $40 to watch it once? Like if you're a premium service or whatever, $40 to watch it once. No. No. I don't I would, think I, I, don't think I would with this one. No, no, I wouldn't say so either. What's your ideal way of watching it? Like if you had to watch it in the theater or at home, which one would you? It's a good couch watch. I agree. Like I wouldn't really care to see it in theaters. No. Like if it was in theaters, yeah, I would probably watch it. But this is a really good like sit, sit on your home, couch, at home, have some turn popcorn. off the lights kind of movie. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those type of things. Yep. Like, Makes sense. Sitting down with your significant other and and watching it. Yeah. Like yeah. So here's uh, our oh shit moments. The kid talking to an empty room. You're like that. That's a big one right there. The sister-in-law looking over at the guys in the room, and she's like, well, that one's too skinny. I'm not drunk enough for that one. That's also a, yeah. a, a funny oh shit moment. The uh, the movie theater scene, the first time, is it also an oh shit moment because we're not sure what's going on. Uh, the strange, strange cuts of him seeing things in the house, another oh shit moment. The, kids, the kid, Jake, knows more than what he is saying. Yeah. Um, Tom slowly going crazy is another key moment. Uh, Tom's vision, and then the rough scene, which we've talked. That's another oh shit moment. Too. Yeah. Who do you think had the best performance? Okay, so this is a toss up, but I know I know we have best and second. Yeah. So this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put Bacon. Bacon for best performance. I, I agree with you. I was and gonna, I'm gonna do say that. the kid. I almost said the kid too, or the mom. See, that's where I'm stuck. That's where I'm stuck. Like, the kid or the mom. Because... They both had good performances, they, but you can see Kevin Bacon just kind of, at some points, just turning it up just a little so bit. I would say Bacon. Yep, for best. And the mom and kid are tied for second. Second best, yeah. yes. Because they have their own kind of story, too, but his is just really cranked up just a little bit. He's He's really good... His range. His range is very good. Is very good. Because you can see him being calm and kind of docile in the beginning. And then almost like, towards then, the end, full like on Nichol- Nicholson to, crazy. Right. Having to turn up the craziness. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to put Nicholson crazy. Yeah. Because I love a good... Nicholson crazy? Yeah. I yeah. love a good Nicholson crazy. Yeah, me too. So now we're at the ending. Uh, Jake is scared to go home. And so Maggie is now on her way home to get Tom from the funeral. Tom is clearly doing whatever he take, 
whatever it takes to find whatever's going on in the house. He's, he's going to clear it up no matter what. He hits something in a wall and keeps digging into the wall to find it. Brick by brick, he tears it down until he finds something in the wall. It is clearly Samantha's body in the wall. He was not crazy at all and had a clear sight and could see what people couldn't. He touches and sees what she saw, and we clearly now know what happened to her. That rough scene we were talking about is now happening, and he is seeing it. We can clearly see something went wrong at this place, and two of the local boys uh, cause... Basically, they do something to Samantha, and the whole scene goes south quickly. I mean, you kind of... The scene is a rough watch. The reason why we're saying rough... Is because you kind of can get an idea when we're saying there's two boys and and Samantha, without going without into, going, going into, into detail. Yeah, that's right. Um, Tom has been seeing all this stuff and these events, and it all makes sense now. Now Tom fully knows what's going on. Uh, these boys killed Samantha, and now Tom knows everything. Tom wakes up from this vision or this dream. White oh, uh, walks outside to get some air. We also know why Adam shot himself, too. Adam was one of the kids in the town from one of the parents that shot himself. Tom goes to his friend's house and tells him that he needs to call the police. His friend Frank comes clean, and his friends, basically the, the friends he thought he knew all along, all knew about this. Uh, his friend brings a gun to his house, and Frank shoot what Frank assume or Frank shoots himself so we assume the other guy's dad comes in too and Tom is now kind of stuck because he has the guy he's renting from and his son kind of coming towards him Tom fights for his life but the two have him cornered and Maggie is clearly here at the location so now all this tension is kind of escalating towards this ending Maggie sees the lights go off in the house and she knows something is wrong and she grabs a knife from her purse. Uh, Maggie walks into the house and gets attacked instantly. We see the feathers fly, and his friend uh, Frank comes out of the basement. He just shot the gun. He didn't shoot himself, and he saves Maggie and Tom. We see we see Samantha's ghost is now free, and she walks free. Her family is finally able to get closure, and we see this family move out of the house as Jake is able to hear and, like, get all this messages from other people as they're leaving. So that's the ending. Uh, remakes so, or reboots? What's really messed up about the ending is the entire, like for a few scenes, you have Jacob saying he can't be in the house because of the feathers, because of the feathers and his head hurts the entire time. And what you find out is that this this guy ends up shooting the gun, and it goes through the floor, Into his and room. then through the bed, up through his pillow, where yeah. his head would have been if he was sleeping in bed. That's right. How mind-blowing is that? But how detailed is it, too? Oh, it's so good. Deep, detailed. It's yeah. so good. So remakes or reboots, what do you think? You could leave this alone. I'd say leave it alone, Leave too. it alone. Sometimes we talk about if it was a series, or if it could be a series, yeah, or redone. This, this I, don't, one, I don't think so. No, this one... Oh, do you think this is a classic? Uh, no. No? No. I think it hasn't reached there yet. It's not old enough. No, but it does have some cult moments. Yes. But I think maybe 
maybe that, another that, 10, 10 years. years. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know what I mean? Another yeah. 10 years down the road, this could probably this would be like a classic a classic thriller. Yeah. Do you say sequel? Have the kid grow up and we see his life? I I would say no, only because I think it would be too close to The Shining. Or Dr. Sleep. Or Dr. Sleep. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I would say no. I wouldn't mind it. No. I'd be okay with it. But I just think I, I just think the two are too close together. Yeah, that's right. So our last one is uh, Watch By Pass. Uh, watch and by. Watch and by. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I'd agree. Watch it. I would. Buy it. I wouldn't Don't say pass. pass this. No, 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 no. You, you just. If you like a good, because I'm not even gonna say this is a horror movie. It's a thriller. It's a thriller. It does have horror elements. Right, but this is like. Some parts are like, I don't, I don't really remember any really jump scares. There's one where he's on the couch. Yeah, and, and okay, she sits, she that's sits next right. to him. Yeah, and it's kind of like right there type of the the rough scene too. There's a jump scare there where yeah, the plastic and all that. Shit. That's true. Yeah, but to me, mo- it's to me, it's mostly a thriller. That's right. Because like on the edge of your seat type of like what's gonna happen next. Yeah. So that's all I got. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, please follow us on Facebook, Captivated Minds, on Instagram at Minds Captivated. Email us, CaptivatedMinds2 at gmail.com. We also have a P.O. box, and our Instagrams are listed in the show notes. If you also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please like and subscribe and let us know how we're doing with a review. Any, star, any review will do. We'd just like to hear from you. Yeah. So uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you.